Hello and welcome to the B-Team Podcast. My name is John Macy. This is our the latest installment of The Pull List, our weekly comic book review show. Um, I'm just going to get right into it this week because I think there are like 11 or 12 books. So I just want to cut the preamble and we just did the, we just recorded the, uh, the Mortal Kombat show like five minutes ago. So I'm not tired especially, but it's a lot of talking. So I just want to write to it with things here. Uh, okay. We're going to start with Avengers 45. Uh, written by uh, Jason Aaron with art by Luca Morasca. Um, this is it had the 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 trade dress of a King and Black tie-in, which I guess it's sort of it's sort of an aftermath thing. Um, this has to do with um, the vampires establishing a, a country in in Chernobyl. Uh, I know I had talked about that during last week's show with the Wolverine issue had aspects of that, but uh, so um, a lot of this is like discussion between Black Panther and Blade about, you know, Blade obviously thinks this is a bad idea and that he should just go kill all the vampires in this, in this irradiated hellhole. And uh, T'Challa just goes, well, no, you can't do that because the UN's going to make them a recognized country and that, you know, you as a member of the Avengers can't go and just kill a bunch of them. That's an international incident right there. So Blade just goes, all right, I quit. I'm going to go kill him. And uh, <laughs> T'Challa talks him out of that. And um, instead they come to an arrangement with the, and this is going to be a really short review because there's not a lot that actually happens here, but um, so they come to an arrangement with the, the vampire nation where, you know, T'Challa basically says the UN will allow you to be a country, but you're going to be heavily monitored because not everyone trusts that you're not just going to run around killing everyone you can. Um, so Blade is basically in installed as like the law enforcement of this area. So I don't, it doesn't sound like it's going to take him out of the, the Avengers book entirely because, um, when he tries to quit, T'Challa says something like, you can't quit. We need you for things that are coming. So I can't help thinking that he's not going to disappear from this book. And I do know he's a big part of um, the that Jason Aaron Heroes Reborn thing that they're doing starting next month. Um, or I think it's next week even, because uh, we're at the end of April as it is. Um, so I don't think this is going to result in blade being taken out of this book um i would not be shocked actually if they started a solo book off of that um the idea that he was uh put in as like law enforcement for this country of vampires uh, might be an interesting idea for a solo book if they wanted to do that and i would certainly be down for that personally i've always been a pretty big fan of this character ever since the snipes movies um so if they wanted to do that that would be something i would support um, so I think now we can officially say that all this King and Black stuff is over with, which I am perfectly happy with. Um, and actually, I guess the King and Black element of this book was that because the vampires helped humanity fight off the symbiote god, 
they've got you know public opinion in their favor to the degree where they can form their own country. Um, next up, we have Amazing Spider-Man 64, written by Nick Spencer, with art by Federico Vincentini. Um, this was just more of the Spider-Man and Boomerang hunting for the tablet things and Kingpin throwing low-level criminals in front of him to stop that. Um, not a lot going on here, honestly. Uh, there is some stuff between uh, uh, Joe Robertson and Tombstone, who are like lifelong enemies and stuff, but now they are working together because... Madam Mask kidnapped their kids who are dating. Um, and so they're trying to, they end up working together and like uh, going after like lower level criminals to figure out why the guy, why uh, their kids were kidnapped and stuff. Cause it has nothing to do with the, with the tablet stuff, I guess it's just Madam Mask and other criminals taking advantage of uh, the other, other high criminal figures being distracted by this tablet hunt thing. Um, this issue didn't really do a lot for me. It seemed like a lot of setup. There was some stuff with um, Dr. Octopus in here uh, that set up something called Sinister War that they're going to be doing in the summer. Um, it looks like, from the, the Marvel solicitations that came out recently, it looks like... Uh, a fight between two Sinister Sixes, one led by Dr. Octopus and one led by the Vulture with Spider-Man in the middle. So maybe that'll be interesting. I've generally liked a lot of what Spencer's done with this character, so I'm I'm, I'm trying to be open-minded about it. But, you know, it's going to be like a separate mini-series with, you know, regular uh, tie-in issues and Amazing Spider-Man so uh some of it kind of comes off as unnecessary like just do it as a reg as a regular part of the book um but <laughs> i'm willing to give spencer the benefit of the doubt based on what he's already done so we'll see i guess um next up is nightwing 79 uh written by tom taylor with art by bruno redondo um this is more um reestablishing Dick and Bloodhaven. Um, what I can't remember, and which is kind of sad because this stuff wasn't that long ago, is um, I'm beginning to think that a lot of that stuff with Dick as the amnesiac cabbie who became Rick Grayson was actually in Gotham. Because um, it sounds like when you read the, the narration in this book, it kind of reads like he hasn't been in Bloodhaven for a while. Um, and that things have changed there since he left. Um, and Barbara Gordon's around, kind of helping him out. Uh, she doesn't show up as Batgirl uh, because they've established that, you know, she's trying to, she has like a spinal implant now, as which I believe was a result of the rebirth. They did that in rebirth so she could be Batgirl again, I guess. And um, I don't read any of the direct Batgirl stuff, but I'm just picking up context from whatever they give you here um, that I believe she said in the previous issue of Nightwing that the, the implant had kind of been overtaxed by all the stuff she'd done as Batgirl. So it still works, but she's trying to minimize how much she actually does that. Um, and this basically uh, Dick gets his wallet stolen by a bunch of kids or by a pickpocket kid. And he goes 
he goes looking for it and he obviously has like tracers on it, whatever. And he ends up in this like giant homeless encampment full of children and basically just says, Oh hell, uh, you need it more than I do. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, and you see that, and maybe I mentioned this last month. I can't, I've I've done so many of these. It's all starting to run together kind (laughs) of. Um, but, uh, when Alfred died in, uh, city of Bane, uh, I guess he left Dick a bunch of money cause he had been, you know, investing well and all that stuff. And I guess he was also a billionaire, <laughs> um, and he left it all to Dick. So Dick decides that he wants to, uh, try to do a lot of things that will better this city that he's lived in for quite a long time. Uh, so it'll be interesting to watch him sort of become the, If anything, it seems like they're kind of trying to make him the Bruce Wayne of Bloodhaven, which is kind of an interesting idea, Um, just because he's always kind of been, you know, he's definitely past the idea of being a sidekick, but um, it's going to be interesting to see him try to do that. Like, I'd much rather see that than, you know, him trying to, like, have some sort of, like, regular job and, uh, try to be Nightwing, like, that's very similar to Spider-Man to me, and, uh, you know, it's nice to see a direction that, as far as I'm aware, uh, that character's never really been taken in, so credit to Tom Taylor for that. Um, next up, we have Justice League 60, with art by, with, written by Brian Michael Bendis, and art by David Marquez. This is more of... The, you know, Bendis' first arc of, like, putting this new version of the team together. Um, and I actually clarified something. It clarified something for me that I thought was going on after the last issue. Um, I had mentioned before that Naomi is from... That character Naomi, who's on this team now, or is going to be, um, is from a parallel dimension. She was, but I guess she now lives on the Prime Earth. Her world had been almost entirely wrecked by superpowered people, so she, she was on the Prime Earth when Black Adam goes looking for her at the end of the last issue. I had thought he, I had thought he crossed dimensions at some point to do that. Um, so this whole thing was uh, basically the the league um superman invites black adam uh to help them figure this whole thing out with this other being from naomi's earth going around trying to wreck shit um superman says that black adam should be allowed to join the team because you know he sees potential for black adam to be redeemed in that act um i guess he's been doing like heroic stuff for a while, uh, which was implied in the infinite frontier one-off from a couple months back that he had been, uh, doing, you know, that he had been being a hero for a while and he would get to things before Superman did and take care of them. And Superman would show up and it was all, it was all dealt with already. And so the other, the other league members all kind of voice objections because like they just think of him as kind of a power hungry psychopath. So, Um, and that's fine. And I think it kind of read to me like he was going to be given a certain amount of leeway on like a probationary level, um, where they were just kind of, kind of keep an eye on him, but he was going to be allowed to 
work with them to some degree. Uh, Hippolyta shows up in Central City. Uh, we also know from some of the covers and stuff early on that she will eventually end up on this team kind of in the Wonder Woman slot. Um, but she sees Black Adam with them and kind of freaks out and leaves. Um, I'm sure there will be some way that she'll get drawn into this later. Um, but we don't know what that is just yet. So the decision is made to go um, in order to deal with this Brutus guy. The decision is made to go to Naomi's world and find him there. Um, so the Flash builds essentially a new version of the Cosmic Treadmill. I, I believe it's actually called out as that even. Um, which will allow them to make that dimensional jump and that happens and then uh, it hangs over into the next issue. So we'll see what goes on there. I'm, I'm enjoying this so far. I do kind of like... You know, I've always kind of liked, I know Bendis is a very, like, dialogue-heavy writer, like a lot of his Avengers stuff. Between all the action bits, he would have these long scenes of just all the characters sitting around a table talking, and I always kind of enjoyed that. Um, and to see him start to do that with DC characters, I mean, I know a lot of people don't like it and think it's just kind of this reductive way to go about go about writing these things, but it's always worked for me. Um so, and, you know, he's only literally done, like, two issues of this book, and hope I hope he'll get a nice long run out of this. Like, I'd like to see him do something in DC that he did for as long as he did the Avengers for. Like, he did a ton of Avengers stuff and a ton of Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, so it would be nice to see him get something in uh, DC, a run of that kind of length. Um, but who knows if he's even interested in doing that anymore. I have no idea. Um, so next up we have Flash 769, written by Jeremy Adams, with art by David LaFuente and Brandon Peterson. Um, this is the next installment of the whole Wally gets absorbed into the Speed Force thing and just keeps quantum leaping to different time periods. When last we left Wally, he was in the body of Impulse in the future. And the city he was in, I assume it was some kind of futurized version of Central City, was being attacked by a giant dominator. Um, last seen, to my, my, of my, to my knowledge, in the uh, CWTV invasion crossover. Um, but, uh, so he's trying to deal with that. He's trying to deal with, you know, being impulse for a period of time. And he starts trying to figure out ways to deal with this dominator and then a, a character that i've never seen before called the gold beetle shows up who is basically a combination of a future female combination of blue beetle and booster gold um so there's some banter there there's some fun little stuff where like she realizes he's wally and not bart and uh tries to you know essentially starts telling him about stuff that he's going to do that hasn't happened yet. And, you know, the, her version of the skeets robot is going around telling her, shut up, don't do that. <laughs> You're going to wreck time. If you do that, shut up. <laughs> um, so it was very much a, a fun little, you know, this, this one I think could have way more was almost kind of more played for children. Uh, but it was a nice, nice little break from uh, the one, last month where 
Wally was in like prehistoric times was a little heavier. So it was a nice little break to get that. And it looks like the next one will be um, Wally's going to go back to the JSA. So I'm sure he will inhabit the body of Jay Garrick and that will be interesting. Um, I'm not all that familiar with the JSA, so that will will probably uh, familiarize me with a lot of that stuff, um, depending on to what level they decide to take that. Um, next up, we have Champion 6, written by Danny Lore and with art by Luciano Vecchio. I'm noticing a lot of like Italian artists in Marvel stuff these days. Maybe they have some sort of like talent pipeline over there that they're taking advantage of. A lot of the stuff is good, though. So, um, so anyway, Champion 6, this is the first issue after all the Outlawed stuff. Originally, I think this book was supposed to be a five-issue miniseries coming out of that Outlawed thing, and they decided to extend it. So, um, there was a lot... I was kind of lost with this one. There was a lot of stuff about, like, Roxxon starting an app to appeal to children... And, like, I'm old. I'm, like, 43. I don't give a shit about phone apps or any of that. And there, there's a lot of talk about phone apps and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, I don't care. Um, and so, you know, there's some stuff here. Like, they're, the champions show up to stop a bank robbery, but the the villains that were there were like hired by the bank to test their security, but they don't pay them because they get interrupted by superheroes or something. So that breaks the contract, I guess. I don't, you know, I'm not sure what exactly they were trying to do with this. Um, and just all the app talk and whatever, and it's fine. But, and I like the champions in general. Like I've liked a lot of the stuff they've done with this. I do think that, you know, uh, Marvel compared to like a lot of the Teen Titans stuff in DC hasn't done as much with their younger heroes as they could be doing so something like champions works for that. But this was just like, I just felt like I was 70 rating this. So, you know, we'll see if this continues down this path as it goes on the next couple issues. I don't know how much longer this is planned for and we'll see what this ends up at. Um, Next up, we'll divert from Marvel and DC for a minute for Radiant Black number three, written by Kyle Higgins with art by Marcelo Costa. I believe this is an image book. Um, this one's kind of a break from uh, from what it has done to this point. The, head, the main character is a writer, so there's a lot of stuff in here about him trying to write a book. Uh, he starts trying to write a book, and there's a lot of stuff in here about writing process and all that um which i thought was kind of interesting i've kind of done some writing on the side not for many years but right out of college i i tried to write a book for a while and uh so i did think it was interesting in terms of the you know there's a lot of talk about writing process in here which i sort of enjoyed but i don't know how this would translate for the for a, a normal person <laughs> trying to read that and maybe they get bored by that i don't know there's actually pages of of text of of the lead characters attempt to write a book so um who knows if people will enjoy that or look at that and go this is not a comic what are you doing um and then there's some stuff about uh 
I guess he goes out in the radiant black suit and tries to, he's just flying around and he um comes across a, a a family that's trying to get to like a sporting event and I think it's a basketball game maybe and um as they mentioned tip off so obviously that's basketball as a basketball fan I should know that um and uh he tries to change a tire and can't do it so they laugh at him about how does a superhero not know how to change a tire? What the hell's wrong with you? So he just picks up the car and flies them to the event instead, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, so yeah, I'm really, in, I'm enjoying this. This was, it's kind of, I thought it was a little early to like have the first like slow down slash detour issue, but it, you know, these independent books don't have to, or these image books or whatever. I think this is an image title, like I said already, but um these non Marvel and DC books, you know, don't necessarily have to follow the same kind of uh, roadmaps that a lot of that stuff does. And it was actually kind of nice to, to see something not do that. So um, I will continue to read this and curious to see where this goes as well. Um, I don't have as much experience with um, a lot of the non Marvel DC stuff. So I'm uh, open to, see where this goes directionally and if it does things that you know that i never would have thought of with a character like this so interesting next up we have black knight curse the ebony blade number two written by cy spurrier with art by sergio davila so this was just a lot of talking and setup for the rest of whatever this mini series is going to be um deals with the fact that uh, in the first issue, Dane Whitman was beheaded by somebody and yet somehow came back to life. You find out that the Ebony Blade has the ability to to resurrect whoever, you know, if, if whoever possesses it dies, it does have the ability to bring that person back from the dead, which is a new concept. And I, I, I mean, my... My knowledge of the Black Knight character is not encyclopedic, but I'm pretty sure he's died before and the sword didn't do that back then. So obviously this is a this might be a, a current retcon for for that, which is fine. You know, they have every right with these longstanding characters to do that. Um, and um, I do think this I said when I reviewed the first one, I believe that this had the. Uh, this series has the potential to take the black knight in an interest in a new direction where like it gets way more into the psychology of him dealing with the, the cursed weapon and whatever. Uh, this issue doesn't really do that. Um, it's all just kind of set up of like prophecy stuff. And um, Elsa bloodstone shows up to try to, I think it was to try to take the sword away from him, but now I think she's going to help him with, the big problem i think some character named mordred has come back from the dead or something and he wants to take the sword away from dane or and i'm sure that's what the the last three issues of this will be um so uh kind of a holding pattern here kind of i find it kind of funny that this early in a mini series you're already doing that you're sort of like treading water uh, two issues into a mini series but you know, maybe they think after the Eternals movie comes out, this will they'll somehow get an ongoing out of this for him. 
Um, I question that whether he's a strong enough character to do that, but you can certainly make him that if you wanted, if, if he was written well enough, you could certainly generate that. Um, so, um, coming up on the 30 minutes almost, um, this has a timer for, uh, solo recordings of like 30 minutes at a time. So I've got the three X books left. I'm going to take a break right here and come back and do those. So thanks for joining me and I'll be right back. And we're back. A slight mishap thought I had recorded this once, this part once already and somehow didn't, uh, come through on anchor so i'm just gonna do it again uh let's start with um sword number five written by al ewing with art by valerio skeedy um so this is obviously the x space book uh which so far hasn't really done a lot of space stuff uh but i am enjoying the character mix here and i do think that the the lack of space-related stuff will be corrected fairly soon, as it was just announced that this book and Guardians of the Galaxy, and it might be more later, might be more books later, but this is all they've announced to this point, will be involved in a uh, crossover called The Last Annihilation that will start in the summer. Um, so uh, it might address my uh issues with this book that it's a space book doesn't do space crap um (laughs) but anyway this this installment uh largely is um fabian cortez being brought before a meeting of the krakoan council where he and magneto debate the nature of murder for most of the issue um there's not a whole lot i can say here other than that it's really well done. Like it's a really well written scene. Um, and they obviously both have, uh, varying perspectives on the nature of that, given their experiences. I mean, Cortez is like descended from, you know, essentially European conquerors and, uh, Magneto was in a concentration camp. So obviously he's going to view that very differently. Um, so really good read. Uh, Actually, it was actually a scene I went, and it's most of the book, actually. I wouldn't even call it a scene. I mean, most of the book is this. But I actually read it twice just because I wanted to make sure it was as good as I had initially thought it was. And it, and it pretty much holds up. So um, so I do like the the mix of characters this book has, like Magneto and Cable and Cortez and some, uh, some of the B characters of the mutant arm. Uh but I'm kind of surprised that we're five issues into this and it's still not really defined what this book even is. Um, I mean, there is the premise they sold it on, but I, so far they haven't really done a lot of that. So I'm not, you know, and I think the, the event that it's about to be in will kind of help with some of that. So I guess we'll see. Uh, Next up, we have X-Force 19, uh, written by Benjamin Percy with art by Gary Brown. Uh, This is more of the Quentin Choir dealing with, like, a psychic monster that's kind of like all of his uh, dark and evil thoughts and feelings and whatever. Um, 
And uh, so not a lot here. Um, some psychic combat, which is interesting, but I feel like with certain characters in the X line, they just do that a lot. And it's generally presented the same way every time, like the mindscape thing and the, the hypothetical weapons. It's kind of like Green Lantern almost in the way it's presented, uh, which is fine. But, you know, and there were there were a couple of good uh, he has a Quentin Choir has a lot of really neat, um, really interesting interactions with Gene Gray in here. Um, so and Gene's on the cover, too. So I think if you're going to read this one, probably the selling point is that. Um, so uh, this kind of. You know, and I've talked before about how sometimes these team books can uh, take breaks from actual team stuff and give uh, focus to one of the characters who doesn't actually have a solo book or anything. And I think that's what this is doing. I just my problem is Quentin Choir prior to this has been written so, written so well as an asshole that I don't really care about. It's hard to make me care about him because he's such a dick. But um. I can at least appreciate what they're doing in trying to shift that a little bit. Cause I'm sure even from a writing standpoint, just to constantly write the same, this character as a giant asshole probably just gets kind of old. So maybe, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that aspect of his personality won't go away completely, but at least it might be toned down somewhat. Uh, so, and I'm sure this will play into like, his larger interactions with the rest of the team going forward. Um, so um, while I haven't been super impressed with this, this story, I at least acknowledge that it's part of whatever the larger, uh, the larger endpoint of this series is going to be, or the larger status quo going forward into the next phase of this whole X line. Um, and then our last book of the week is uh the one that I was most interested in reading and uh, had my attention the most, but I, I, I actually intentionally made it the last thing I read this week, so it would be freshest in my head when I went to go do this. Uh, that would be Way of X number one, written by Cy Spurrier with art by Bob Quinn. Um, this is, at least at the moment, I do think my guess is that this is going to turn into a team book of some kind. Um, but really, this is a Nightcrawler book uh, where he it's clear that he is very uh, kind of like a drift in Krakoan society, because I think on some level he's sort of given that he's a practicing Catholic, he's sort of uh, morally bothered by certain aspects of their of their society, like the fact that death means absolutely nothing uh, kind of bugs him. Um and he, you know, at some prior point in the X line, and I don't remember which book it is, so many of these characters just move back and forth between uh, different books right now. And I think that's the point of the line. Uh, but um, so many of these characters move back and forth that I can't remember which book this was originally brought up on that um, Xavier said to him, you know, why don't you start a religion? Uh on the island and then maybe that'll deal with some of the concerns you have. So he had the, 
the point of this book is that he has um, multiple converse, a couple conversations with people that you know that he respects, obviously, and to kind of get different perspective on you know what would a religion mean to mutants, I guess, and you know. Xavier kind of tells him that it might be a good idea. Then he goes and talks to Magneto and Magneto is like, what would we need with a God? We basically are gods already. (laughs) Um, So like, what would some hypothetical construct of a God actually mean to, uh, to beings like us? What do we need this for? And then I believe he goes and talks to Exodus, who is a, an ex-villain, or at least was. I mean, they're sort of eliminating all the hero-villain crap because everybody's on the same side now. Um, but Exodus, if I remember his origin correctly, actually was a crusader during the Crusades, so he has a slightly different view of um, of how God would work. Uh, and um, at the end, uh, Kurt goes looking for Legion, because uh, I think Legion, he thinks, is somebody who... I think he decides to kind of hold off on actually forming the religion, but he wants to go um, deal with some other things around the island and and things that need to be done for mutants first so that he can kind of get an idea of, you know, if you're going to form this religion or whatever, what kind of society are you forming it for? So then... Um, he has a an, an interaction with Legion, which I think will bleed into the next issue somewhat. I think it kind of ended in the middle of that. Um, so this is an interesting idea. I mean, I'm not a terribly religious person, generally, uh, but I am, you know, something like this has never really, at least not anything I've read, aside from the fact that, like, Daredevil has a lot of Catholic guilt and stuff. <laughs> um, but, uh, I've never read anything comic wise that like is looking at like what the place of religion in, in this world of like superheroes and quote unquote gods and stuff means. So, you know, and not that, you know, not that some Marvel comic is going to provide like a concrete answer to the existence of God or whatever. Like that's ridiculous. Like nothing would do that, but you know, I do think it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting angle to take on a major superhero property that I've never seen. So it'll be interesting to see what this book turns into. Uh, more so than you know, a lot of other a lot of other books. I've said that a lot on this show. I know that has become one of my like default phrases on this show, really, but um. You know, when I talk about that with a lot of other things, it's more, and I've talked about this on some of the other shows we've done with the guys and everything, but uh, a lot of ways I'm more interested in, you know, in a lot of stories, I'm more interested in what is the process that gets you to an endpoint rather than the endpoint itself. So the process of where this book goes has my interest more so than a lot of other things lately because a lot of times process in these comic books because they're limited in what they're allowed to do in the long term process in these books just kind of ends up being the same a lot of the time or 
even if it's even if the process itself is different, the endpoints it gets to are always kind of inherently, you know, there's like five or six endpoints that you can pick from and you just kind of keep recycling through them. Um, so this, because I've never seen religion approached in this way uh, in a comic book like this, this could have a endpoint that, you know, might end up being something that I've never seen and possibly can't be recycled depending on what, what exactly Spurrier does here. Um, so that'll wrap up our releases for this week. Uh, next week we have, let's see, uh, Action Comics 1030, Batman Superman 17, Beta Ray Bill number 2, Cable 10, Detective Comics 1035, Fantastic Four 31, uh, which I believe starts some sort of story regarding uh, Dr. Doom getting married, uh, which might be interesting. Um, Miles Morales Spider-Man 25, which starts the uh, Marvel's attempt at a clone saga for Miles. Um, I'm very skeptical of something like that. Uh, I am a fan of the original 90s clone saga, as we've talked about here and on other shows. Um, but And I do think that there is a way you could do something like that for Miles and have it work. Um, but we'll see if that's what they actually do or not. <laughs> uh, New Mutants 17, uh, Robin number one, which I think involves... Uh, Damian Wayne going to some sort of like fighting tournament thing so uh, we'll see what that ends up being uh, Savage Avengers number 20 Spider-Man I believe is on this cover so if we get some Spider-Man Conan stuff I'm down for that uh, Titans Academy number 2 was not all that impressed by the first issue we'll see what where this goes from there um, I did read recently that there, uh, Tom Taylor is going to be doing a new Shazam series, uh, spinning out of this. Um, because Billy Batson was in issue number one, kind of in the background, I think he had like a line or two. Um, and it surprises me that they're gonna, you know, he's been involved in, and granted, it's only been one issue of Titans Academy anyway, but he's was involved in so little of it, unless his, his involvement in the future issues is going to pick up some then, you know, calling it a spinoff of Titans Academy is kind of silly. But I'm certainly down for more uh, Shazam stuff. I enjoyed the uh, the Jeff Johns one that came out recently. Um, that sort of ended sort of abruptly. Like, he started to do this whole thing where Superboy Prime was going to be a big villain for Shazam, and then... Uh, I think they announced the cancellation and he kind of had to jam it into the last issue issue or two, like very abruptly. Um, <coughs> not to say that I need to see Tom Taylor or whoever pick that up and try to do that again, but um, it would be interesting to see another uh, writer take on this character. Probably, I mean, obviously with the new movie coming out with, uh, Fury of the Gods coming out at some point in next year or two. I'm sure they want to keep um, this character in the comic shop somewhere, so I would not be surprised if they're uh, 
is a regular Shazam series for the next year or two, probably, because I think that movie's scheduled for 2023, maybe. Um, and X-Men Legends number three. Uh, this looks like it'll be set sometime in the early X-Factor period, based on the cover and stuff. I think Peter David might be writing the next couple issues, too, so we'll see what um, what that actually does. Uh, and in terms of uh, other B-Team-related material, uh, as I said earlier, we just recorded the Mortal Kombat 2021 film review uh, with Josh and myself and uh, Boris who was a, a friend of ours from the group page who lives in Croatia. And he actually had a chance to see this, this movie in a theater. Um, and he saw it before any of us, cause I guess it came out in Europe uh, a week before uh, Friday. Um, so uh, we were looking for a third person on that show and he had already seen it, was interested in joining us for that. So uh, that was fun to get somebody new on the show. And, uh, He'll be joining us down the road in June for a couple of the Star Trek movie pods that we have planned. Um, also, this week we are going to be recording our Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, review show with myself and uh, Brent and Justin. And uh, my little brother Tim will be joining us. He's a huge MCU fan. Um, we have regular discussions about MCU stuff over the phone. Uh, on an almost weekly basis when shows like this are on the air. Um, so uh, be nice to get him on a show. And he has a, a podcast that he does. He's a realtor and he does a real estate podcast. Um, you know, he'll probably, you know, he'll be given an opportunity to plug that at the time if he wants to do that. Um, I don't know if anybody that listens to this is interested in like, real estate generalities that might want to listen to that. Um, we also have planned for the next few weeks, we're going to be doing a, a review of uh, season one of the Amazon animated Invincible series, uh, which is quite fun. I'm a huge fan of the comic and I've, I've watched the first, I think four episodes. I have to finish that before we record that obviously. Um, but it's been a fun watch. Um, we also are going to be doing uh, the first of our our favorite movies series with uh, Back to the Future, which was Justin's pick. So we'll be recording that in the next week or two, and we'll put that out for you all to hear. Um, so, and actually, I just realized that the Falcon Winter Soldier review show will be our fiftieth episode. Uh, I honestly did not think we would, you know, and granted we've done 50 episodes in a couple of months. It's not like, you know, we're doing one a week. So we've been doing this for a year and we're at 50. Um, so we've basically done 50 shows in about four months. Um, but I honestly didn't think we'd get to this number. I thought we'd all get bored before that. Um, but we're, you know, we're still having a good time doing it and people are listening. It's not a ton of people, but it's enough for us. Um, and we hope y'all enjoy what we're doing. So uh, feel free to let us know if there's anything you'd like to see us cover. Um, we do have that Facebook group for the B-Team podcast, which anyone is welcome to join at any time. And uh, 
if you join up and you have some ideas for things you'd like to see us cover, put them out there and we'll we'll give it due consideration. So have a great week, everyone, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks. <laughs>